Relevant content for our members by our members. This is TMC Connect. And uh, no wind noise. What part of Hawaii are you in? The part with the land. <laughs> boom, boom. Um, I, uh, how jealous do you want to be, Rich? I, I know wow. this doesn't, Hawaii, Rich, uh, I, I, when I tell people where I'm going, I tell them it's the poor man's Florida. And so uh, they don't, they don't buy that much, but I could, I'm, I'm on the island of Maui and yeah. How jealous do you want to be? Yeah. Maybe you could just stop there. <laughs> well, um, you can see what's over my shoulder. Um, if you, if I spin the, if I spin my laptop around, Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll see what I'm not that I don't want to stare at you for the next 30 minutes, but, um, oh man. Yeah. You podcast listeners, uh, gotta, gotta tune into the live show every Friday at three, go to mortgagecollaborative.com and get register to join the fun live as Rob shows us a panoramic view of the Island of Maui in Hawaii. So, or as he called it a poor man's Florida. So. Poor man's Florida. Actually, you can't really see it, but if you go across the way here, there's uh, the island of Molokai, which is uh, uh, where uh, leper, the leper colony was way back when. Hmm. So, anyway, and if, uh, if I get rained on, Rich, you'll see me hustling somewhere else. <laughs> and we see you attacked by horses, uh, assailed by <laughs> drug dogs. I... I don't think there's anything that could surprise me uh, at this point, uh, even in this live atmosphere we're in. Yeah. All right. All right. What well, do you want to talk about? You want, for, you want to talk about first guarantee? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sure you have an agenda. Happy Friday, everyone. Rich Swarovinski with the Mortgage Collaborative here. Once again, with the rundown with Robin Rich, where we take you into the weekend by running through the week that was in the mortgage industry every Friday, live at 3 p.m. Eastern, and then, of course, on podcast. Uh, and as always, my esteemed colleague and co-host, Rob Crisman. Rob, good to see you. Even good though see you. making me a little sick being in Hawaii as I uh, sit in Northeast Ohio. So, Twinsburg. Uh, Rich, you know, I've heard so many people say great things about Twinsburg. It's, it's like the garden... Uh, a garden place for Ohio, the garden spot. Uh, who'd want to live anywhere else besides Twinsburg? We call it the Maui of the Midwest. Yeah, it's uh, very luxurious. Yeah. All right. Enough. Enough ge- geographic banter, I guess. Let's go ahead and get into it. And Rob wanted to start this week really just by talking about the government's role in housing. Was fortunate this week to be out in your neck of the woods uh, in Sonoma Wine Country, where we hosted a collaboration lab for some great members of ours. And the labs are beneficial for the members. They are so beneficial for me and our team, though, to just be able to sit with our members, uh, people running companies, highly intelligent lenders and leaders, talking about 
uh, you know, how they're running their business, what is top of mind with them, things they're battling, challenging. And I think one of the comments we saw this week is just, it really was impressed upon me, government's role in housing and for somebody that owns their own company, uh, you know, how, how much impact it is in everything you do. Just think about just solely what's going on with FHFA and through Fannie and Freddie right now, just that one government housing entity alone, they've released three-year strategic plans. They've released separate plans to address the racial, racial home ownership gap. Um, they've uh, were prominently featured in the Biden administration's housing supply plan, new products, manufactured ADUs, multifamily, construction of PERM, potentially. Our guest last week, Jim Parrott, who I found out Jim Park knows Jim Parrott and said that Jim Parrott is very good friends with the Clooney's. I said, that's great info next time we have him on. But uh, he talked about this last week and said cash out delivery fees are, are going to be raised by the GSEs. It was a little inside info I thought he broke last week. That was interesting, made sense. But they're tweaking how they're pricing loans, what they're buying could be a reduction in delivery fees for like five, 10% down purchases. FICO versus Vantage score, that's all seems like that's going to be changing. And just so much out there right now. Uh, and as we predicted, housing has become a main street issue for Americans. As we close in on the midterms, Biden administration, uh, a couple years away from a general election cycle. And uh, I, you know, I think that right now the Biden administration is really battling. They want to get things out there for their base that they've promised for housing. At the same time, they're catching a lot of heat, rightfully so, from the right side of the aisle. Like these things cost money and carry risk with them. And I just see our, our friend Sandra Thompson really trying to balance those two issues, but a lot coming out right now from the government on housing. Was that a question? No. Uh, <laughs> it was it was a broad, it was a broad ranging statement, uh, as always. The the interesting thing. Let me know if the wind noise gets to be too much, Rich. Um, but uh, the the interesting thing is that we are in the, we are in a cyclical industry, and right now, once again, we've had two years of, of fantastic earnings and volume, and drinking from fire hose, and a lot of companies could barely concentrate on on certain things because they they wanted to make money, and there was so much volume coming through. And the government was relatively quiet. We had the tail end of the Trump administration and the new Biden administration. And so, but the industry in general seemed focused on doing volume and making money and, and wisely so because now volume is down, margins are down, revenue is down dramatically. And just today or just this week at the, uh, the first guarantee mortgage, uh, I've heard I've heard shutting down wholesale and correspondent uh, there are rumors about other companies. Of course, we don't want to have, uh, we don't want to turn this into a a, uh, a a rumor mill show, which we could because then we tend to get in trouble by and, and Rich, you know, I've, I think I've said this before, but I try to live my life and not receive e emails with signature lines of general counsel <laughs> on the bottom. Um, there, are, somebody was talking about Molokai. Yes, I can see Molokai. Uh, the thing is now that volumes, things have slowed down, we are dealing with a way to, to your point, this wave of government, uh, 
critics would say interference, proponents would say government things that needed to be done and, and clarified and so forth. And so I find it interesting that it seems like there's, there's a big wave of this going on now. Fortunately, we're not dealing with the volumes we have been, otherwise we'd really be in trouble. But the, the fee structure changing, the half a point uh, uh, UMBS fee, as it were, for guaranteeing Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac on top of the guarantee fee, it's really uh, starting to, to weigh, I think, on the industry in general. And you, when you combine the government and changing their fee structure in many cases, whether it's cash out and so on, with the decline in volume and margin and revenue, we're getting we're getting hit pretty hard as an industry. And you know, I'm asked all the time why jumbo rates are better than conforming rates in many in many instances. And I remind the the person asking me, well, you know, you don't have the fee structure if you're dealing with. Uh, you know, private label securitizer. Uh, you also don't have a the guarantee fee, so you don't have some of the loan level price adjustments. You don't have the. Uh, uh, sorry, I have to. Uh, I need to to to, to walk somewhere else because <laughs> the rain is kicking in here. Um, but I'll talk. I'll talk on the on the on the on the uh, on the move. So. You're dealing with a, 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 a the GSE situation where uh, you could have uh, them price themselves out of the market for certain products, and they seem okay with that, uh, which is interesting. So, uh, well, the one thing I thought I, our guest last week, Jim Parent of the Urban Institute, I thought he was great. A lot of really inside baseball, um, including what he thought was coming on. Uh, GSE delivery fees. But one of the things that he mentioned that I thought was interesting was on cash outs and second homes, really what he was kind of saying was the GSEs knew that a secondary market would not evolve less really for them and it, it priced better than the price increases they put on second homes and investment. And they're buying just as much, if not more than ever right now, but they're just getting a lot of extra premium. And it's a way to mitigate going back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the show, some of the things that they're doing on the offensive side of the ball. So they have the, on the other hand, when in debates and elections uh, stuff comes up talking about, you know, Oh, the meltdown, we're going to have a repeat of the meltdown. Some, some things they're doing to mitigate that. So, but I thought that was interesting. <clears throat> yeah, certainly the, um, but getting, getting back to what, what lenders and the emails that I'm handling in recent weeks, it's, you know, margin and volume and and now fee structure. And obviously the fees that the GSEs charge uh, warranted or not impact the industry in general. It's not, you know, they're not singling out certain companies in terms of profitability and so forth. It's hitting the entire industry. So once again, the, the lenders who are out there who are are cutting costs, trying to cut costs, trying to stay ahead, trying to uh, trying to make money, and and frankly, a lot of companies I think are viewing this environment as see if we break even, we'll be you know we'll we'll be okay kind of thing depending on the cash reserves they've kept from the last year or two. Uh, but the, the fact of the matter is the 
it's becoming more expensive to to originate, not less expensive from the GSE perspective. And so the non-QM investors who are out there and the private label securitizers, I think, will will step up. The problem, of course, is what we saw in March of 2020, which is when a lot of those private label securitizers ran for the hills when things got uh, when things got iffy. And so as an industry, I think it's important to keep that in mind. You don't want to hold it against them necessarily forever, but you know, a lot of people had pipelines of loans that were destined for companies that uh, backed out of the market entirely or made their pricing so bad that uh, companies lost money on it. So the, a lot of lenders have, have renewed their faith in Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and, and going to the government, you know, FHA and VA channels. So I think um, there's a lot of hand wringing out there in the current environment. What uh, did you read the um, the urban piece on the the half point securitization fee that's that's starting on July one? I did. And to set it for the audience, what Rob and I are talking about is on June 14th, FHFA basically came out and said that there was going to be a 50 basis point fee on loans that are essentially in co-mingled Fannie and Freddie securities. Um, you know, as, as many listening right now will know, Fannie and Freddie work really hard as part of efforts to kind of set them up for the future to create a single security. Fannie and Freddie issued their own securities separately for years, and the market liked Fannie ones better. There's a lot of weird stuff that went along with that. They made a single security, but um, and now uh, securities that have commingled Fannie and Freddie loans that GSEs are forced to hold additional capital against and to uh, appropriately price in that the cost of reserving that capital there's a 50 basis point fee. There's been a lot of news headlines around it. That, of course, as Rob mentioned, is on the top of guarantee fees, which, and let's remember, delinquencies are at all-time lows on mortgage loans, the lowest they've ever been. Uh, I remember being a secondary guy negotiating guarantee fees of 16, 17 basis points. Now, it's tough to know exactly. Most feel most, almost all lenders are paying guarantee fees in the 50s. So yeah, it's 51, 52. That, that's the equivalent of an eighth in rate, at least, if not a little bit more. Um, so, um, just, you know, the, the juice that, that the federal government is kind of squeezing out of the lemon before we get there, then you go, you know, HUD is most likely going to lower mortgage insurance premiums on FHA loans. Are we just re, you know, and you got these extra fees now on Fannie Freddie loans is, you know, more of more volume going to be risk weighted under the FHA bucket, most likely. So, but I thought that uh, Jim Parrott and Urban did a great job kind of breaking down that rule and uh, their thoughts on it. Yeah, I agree. By the way, Rich, uh, it's 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 uh, raining hard here now. Uh, so feel, just, we feel so bad for you. We really do. It's, I know. You probably don't feel bad for me getting up at 1 a.m. to send out that darn commentary either, do you? I know. Uh, the... Uh, yeah, I think it's a I think it's a very very tough environment. It's tough to manage in, and I I see I, I was here attending the the Mortgage Bankers Association of Hawaii conference uh, this week in uh, Honolulu, uh, which you know for, for better or for worse, Rich, if you've never been to Honolulu, it's kind of like Las Vegas except on the on the ocean. Uh, it's very it's just a big city. And the, the general mood of the conference was good. 
the attendance was was very good the board of directors there puts on a very good conference that was well attended with lots of sponsorship and so forth the mood was frankly i mean everyone's very friendly and cordial and so forth but you know there's there's definitely an undercurrent of uh gee we're, we're in a different environment than we were in six months or a year or two years ago and granted the conference wasn't being held in person for the last couple of years. So it was nice to see everybody, but in the conferences I've been to recently, there's this feeling of foreboding that's out there and uh, vendors are getting beat up on, on pricing on their pricing every day and every week by their clients. Lenders are getting beat up by, well, independent mortgage banks are getting beat up by credit unions and banks who offer some great intermediate arm rates that are out there with a great sales pitch, you know, three year, five year, seven year, if they can get a rate in the threes or low fours and the bar is not gonna stick around anyway, then, you know, why not Why not do that? So right now it's it's a, a, a great time to be a bank or a credit union loan officer. And then you're dealing with the, the government, you know, getting pinched by the government on these fees. So it's tough, it's tough to manage. So the, the environment during the conference uh, in Honolulu was, you know, it was good. It was nice to see everybody. There's a lot going on, but there's definitely the feeling that we're, you know, in a, in a tough environment, especially for independent mortgage banks. And the independent mortgage banks are getting squeezed on the warehouse side of things in terms of their cost of funds, whereas banks may not have that. So there's a lot going on. A lot going on. I did see inside mortgage finance some market share stuff they just put out for Q1. Already a shift. I think depositories were up like three, four percent or something. Total market share. Don't quote me exactly. Q1. So would lend credence. Uh, yeah, to what I think we're hearing and seeing that it is. It's a beneficial right now climate for depositories just because of the ability to uh, you know do things in their portfolio. Um, if it's arms or construction or you know that out of the box loan that seems to make sense. That good credit non QM that you know maybe right. they want a little bit better rate than the secondary markets offering. So. Yeah, the uh, uh, and in terms of personnel, you know, I know J.P. Morgan uh, just made the headlines for for having some layoffs. The um, the point I make in tomorrow's commentary, Saturday's commentary, is that that what what should be in the headlines are any companies that aren't laying off and that aren't closing, but banks and credit unions do have the ability when things get slow on residential lending to shift people rather than lay them off so they can move them over into car loans or trust services or credit cards or, you know, whatever it might be, they have the ability to reallocate people, which is nice. Independent mortgage banks tend to be more of a one trick pony. And so it's either residential mortgages or not. And if it's not, then, you know, then we hear about the layoffs. So there's a lot of that going on out there. And it's not so much the headline grabbing layoffs. It's more like the five here and 10 there and 10 there and 20 here like almost, I won't say continual, but definitely firms are cutting back, which is, uh, which is tough, which is tough. And then it's tough, as I was saying earlier, it's tough to be a manager in this kind of environment where uh, you have a situation with rising rates and rates aren't supposed to come down anytime in the near future and fees getting worse, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's tough stuff. But, but as I was telling the folks in Honolulu, you know, nobody grows up with the dream of being a renter. You know, you grow up with the dream of, of owning your own home. And so there's definitely the desire to own homes. And 
yeah, affordability has taken a hit recently, but you know, people, people will try to figure it out. So we're still in a good business. It's just a matter of having kept the last two years in perspective. Are we going back to 2018 or 2019 or 2017? And, and how do you handle it? So tough decisions are ahead still. This is The Rundown with Robin Rich. I'm Rich Schwabinski with the Mortgage Collaborative, joined as always by Rob Crisman and <clears throat> Rob, all the stuff we just talked about with the uh, Biden administration, FHFA, a CFPB, um, you know, really uh, continually making news as well. Uh, this past week, Chopra came out and said he was going to take another look at the QM rule. Um, and uh, maybe it'll be good news. Maybe that'll be good news, right? Could be good because news. A lot of a lot of companies are a lot of loan officers have written to me about the fee structure and um, you know not meeting certain tests in in qualifying a borrower and, and the fees rates have gone up so fast that the uh, uh, the fees are a little bit tricky sometimes. So maybe maybe the CFP will take a look at the current environment, and make some changes that actually help the industry. Wouldn't that be nice? That would be great. I wouldn't bet on it. Wouldn't wouldn't bet on it, but maybe. Yeah, and you got you know obviously CFPB is out there really strongly on just servicing and loss prevention uh, rhetoric, and, and really taking a close look at that and the data there. Fair lending, obviously, uh, they exerted some additional influence within uh, FDIC. You got the IMBs worried about you know we're going to be a CRA have to be beholden to CRA guidelines. Um, and then the banks kind of up in arms this week, and in my opinion, for good reason. The F there was a I forget how it came to light, but the FDIC essentially made a comment about like ceding to CFPB on acquisition related things that they're reviewing, and uh, you know, basically CFPB kind of saying like, listen, we have the right to look at bank mergers because. It does have, they do have consumer protection elements. Well, almost everything, if you do the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon gets down to a consumer at some point, consumer protection. So I know the ABA and the ICBA, two big banking groups put together a joint statement this week, basically saying to the CFPB, like, uh, stay in your own lane. Uh, bank merges really should not be your interest. Um, so, and then you got uh, Brian Levy. We've talked about his blog before. Uh a lawyer with inside our industry puts together a real good blog called Mortgage Musings. Uh, his latest piece was really good. It was about the Black Knight Ice uh, merger, and essentially his he predicts without quite going there that CFPB is going to be taking a close look at that one as well, based on some precedent he lays out. In it so it's yeah. uh, he. Uh, I have I wrote. Uh, Scott Olson with the Cal, uh, Community Home Lenders Association a couple of weeks ago mentioned this Black Black Knight Ice deal, and and Dave Stevens put something out. So that's actually uh, in my commentary tomorrow as well. It's linked to Brian's write up, and uh, he he raises some good points. You know, I don't. It's you're, you're we're creating these or this merger uh, would create this huge monolithic uh, repository of an immense amount of data. And, uh, you know, what are the implications of that? So it's, it's an interesting question to raise. Um, what did anything, you know, that you had, you had, uh, you, you should say you had, you, you offer 
uh, create collab, collaborative labs, collab labs. This week was in Sonoma. Did anything, what, what kind of came out? Uh, what, any, any surprises, any, anything, anything or kind of business as usual? What, uh, what'd you guys talk about? Yeah, I've got like three pages and now it's just great stuff. I would say the main themes, obviously, business development type stuff. Let's bring in more loans. Let's recruiting um, expense control stuff. Obviously, leaders are just really they're looking at every aspect of their business right now. It, it feels like lenders have really hit the pause button on tech decisions right now, not only because of the cost, but just the constantly fluid nature of that. Um, you know, what you have going on in the LOS space is, you know, there's, they're, they're watching that closely. Um, and then kind of like the search for product or partnerships or things to differentiate. Um, you know, I think that's the one thing right now, right? It's like every home that's listed, that realtor has many, many lenders that, uh, you know, are trying to get that loan. So lenders are really looking for ways to differentiate themselves outside of, oh, we can close your loan in 25 days if the borrower does everything there supposed to do in the first seven. Um, everybody's saying that, right? So I think lenders are really looking for legitimate ways to differentiate themselves. Um, and uh, a lot more than that, but I, I think those were those were the most prevailing themes. M&A as well. I think all lenders, this, this lab was primarily IMBs. So it was, you know, I, there was some that were looking to be acquired, some that were looking to, to acquire. And then there were some that was like interested in, like choose your own adventure. Like, I don't know if I want to buy somebody or if I want to sell my company. It's interesting what's going on right now. Well, <laughs> as we've talked about, especially owners in their 60s and 70s without a clear succession plan, uh, why not? Why not look for look for a buyer? Uh, others who tend to be other companies tend to be owned by a younger group, uh, maybe a more aggressive group are definitely going to be looking at, at buying or merging because they want to keep doing what we do. It's kind of early if you're if you've got a profitable good company and you're 35 or 40 years old, it's kind of that's kind of young to check out and just get out of the business because it is a good business. People still need home loans and people need home loans that are done in a compliant manner and people need to service those loans and so forth and so on. So, you know, if you're if you're relatively young, there's no need to get out of the business. So there are there are some opportunities out there and when push comes to shove, once again, Rich, if you've got Srebinski Mortgage in, in Twinsburg, Ohio, and I've got, you know, a little mortgage company, and we get along well, and you're in a certain set of states, and I'm in a certain set of states, and culturally there's a fit, and we can figure out, there's no reason for us to have uh, two capital markets departments and two compliance departments and two quality control departments and so forth, two you know, sets of underwriters, you know, let's, let's combine forces and, and use our originators and, and put the business through uh, more efficiently and more cost effectively. And so, yeah, I, I expect we'll continue to see that as 2022 goes on. And some of, some of those will grab headlines and a lot of them won't. A lot of them may be broker shops who decide to, you know, this is, you know, let's be part of something bigger. Let's, let's join up with a bank or a large, independent mortgage bank and you know hook our hook our wagon onto that horse for a while and see how it goes and there are there are pros and cons of that a lot of brokers like the way that they're paid uh their the way their comp is set up they, they like the freedom and so forth but you know the wholesale environment can be very tough as well so 
yeah, I think I think we'll see a fair amount of that. So it's not a surprise to see that coming out of the collab lab. I think, as I said, I think we'll see more of that during the year. Absolutely. Uh, just a few minutes left, Rob. Rates obviously continue to be a big part of the narrative in the industry. Thirty-year uh, fixed rates now in the sixes. Uh, our friend Chris Bennett at Vice Capital, if you go to my LinkedIn feed, I just put in my LinkedIn feed a uh, link to an incredible, like it's like four or five minute video he put together. He does a really good job explaining what's going on with mortgage bonds and mortgage rates in ways that it's easy to understand, uh, in ways it's easier to explain to others if it's customers or uh, referral partners. And, you know, I think his basic take in that video was um you know, he was looking very closely at the consumer sentiment numbers, especially related to inflation um, and just some real shocking changes there in terms of consumers' expectations of future inflation. And, you know, he really, what he talks about in this video is that's kind of what's happened with the mortgage bond market is bond investors. The American consumer has lost faith in the Fed's ability to fight inflation. Other part times where our economy has been in a tough spot. The Fed's been there. Quantitative easing and things to juice the stock market. And now they don't have those tools at in their arsenal right now. They can't deploy those two tools because of what's going on with inflation. So uh, his take, consumer has lost its confidence in the Fed. Thus, the fixed income investor has lost their confidence in mortgage bonds and fixed income securities and you know, has really caused this kind of runaway rate environment, but uh, interesting year for rates, obviously. Yeah. Uh, you know, I agree with him to some extent, but it's also important to remember that, you know, uh, treasury rates may have gone from here to here. Mortgage rates may have gone from here to up here. Uh, part of that's due to the federal reserve that's going to, uh, is expected to, and will start selling their mortgage backed security holdings. So supply and demand, there's a question out there, gee, who's going to buy all these MBSs that the Fed has been buying? Remember at their peak, the Federal Reserve was buying, I don't know, $5 billion, $8 billion a day of agency MBS. And now to be starting to sell those to, you know, the extent of two or three billion a day, four billion a day. We'll we'll see who the who who the buyers are. So that certainly puts some pressure on. Yeah, it's uh as as I said earlier, it's, it's a tough environment all the way around right now. Absolutely. Uh, other things in the news, existing home sales down four months in a row. Mortgage apps staying pretty steady um, through June here as rates have really gone up. Um, you know, I think even though existing home sales are dropping, um, given rates and given affordability, I, I think things have probably hung in there better than if you would have told me those where rates would be. And where home prices would be as we get into the end of June here, I would have predicted purchase activity to not be as strong. But I, I still stand by the belief that every home that's getting put out there in the market is getting bought up by somebody. There's there's a lot of demand still to buy houses through all these impediments. I don't know where it started, but this whole, you know, marry the house, date the rate's been everywhere. I know you're not a big online and social media guy, but uh, where did that originate? Anybody in the audience know? It's everywhere now. Yeah, I don't know. I've had several people send it to me, so I don't know where it came from. It's not good from a capital market hedging perspective, that's for sure. That's true. Uh, what else, Rob? Anything else in your uh, inbox of note uh, this past week? 
as I was in the Oakland airport, just filled with people in Warriors championship gear. So it, uh, you know, I haven't lost to them three times. Still, still. I asked, uh, tender I asked, wounds. I, whoop. Hang on. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. You can hear me okay, Rich? Yep. Yeah, I can hear Rich. you. Rich. No? I can hear you. Uh-oh. You can't hear me? Anyway, um, I asked a uh, my daughter's boyfriend who works for the Warriors whether or not, uh, you know, what, what do the players do at the end of the season like that? And he said they all scatter. Mm-hmm. Can you hear me all right? Yeah, no, I can hear you. Okay. Yeah, he said they all scatter. Like uh, a couple of them went to Cambodia for a couple of weeks on vacation. Some of them went to Mexico. Uh, Clay Thompson is just uh, apparently hanging around the Bay Area, enjoying uh, enjoying that. So yeah, it's, it was fun to see the uh, the championship. So good for them. Good on them. Good stuff. So, well, with that, uh, let's call it a week. And uh, as always, appreciate our live attendees, our podcast listeners. Join us live Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern. Go to mortgagecollaborative.com. Click on our member event calendar. Register once for the rundown. You registered for all future episodes and our live audience and our YouTube audience. You can catch us on podcast TMC Connect is what you want to search in Apple or Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. So, uh, but uh, until then, Rob, when you, uh, when you heading out of Hawaii? Uh, Monday. 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 I, act- I actually am staying in a hovel about 10 miles inland and came, came to the uh, ocean to uh, see how the, the other half lives. And this is, this is where the other half lives. Man. That looks horrible. Actually, that looks great. So, excellent. Well, on that nauseating note, uh, we'll take you into the weekend. (laughs) uh, Rob, appreciate you making the time, uh, even in Hawaii. So, uh, to our listeners and viewers, we'll see you next Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern. And until then, have a great weekend and great next week, everyone. Take care, Rob. All right. Okay, thanks. For more information about how you can get involved with TMC Connect and witness the power of the network firsthand, please visit us at mortgagecollaborative.com.